Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Packaging Europe's Sustainability Perspectives podcast. As we're all aware, the sustainability debate is at the core of packaging development nowadays, and a lot has happened both in the area of paper and flexible plastic materials. But um, many consumers still perceive paper as the go-to recyclable packaging material of choice. But um, is this perception actually based on facts? And um, what about flexible plastics? So in today's podcast, we'll take a closer look at the differences between paper and plastics and their sustainability journey, focusing on material-specific guidelines. And uh, we'll do that with um, Dr. Achim Griefenstein, who is not only Senior Vice President of Group R&D at Constantia Flexibles, he is also a member of the advisory board and uh, technical committee at Reciclas, and he's also a professor for plastics compounding and recycling at RWTH Aachen, as well as the chairman of the packaging division for the European Plastics Converters. So, um, yeah, welcome, uh, Achim. Uh, thank you very much for, for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. So, um, yeah, to um, start us off with, could you maybe describe what the current situation is and uh, where we're at with um, flexible packaging and sustainability at the, at the moment? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, there are actually some very challenging discussions around flexible packaging. Flexible packaging is um, uh, widely recognized as a packaging uh, group with the lowest resource consumption. So that means we are the guys with the sinister packagings uh, around. But over the decades, our industry has optimized the resource efficiency by intelligently combining different raw materials. Might it be different plastics, aluminum foil, or paper? Therefore, we have achieved very thin packaging at a high functionality. But of course, over all these optimizations, the industry has uh, forgotten somehow to have a look also on recyclability. And that is the actual challenge. Recyclability, if we consider the sustainability discussion, it's uh, um, yeah, it's the most important uh, topic beside of uh, carbon footprint resource efficiency, where we are already very good. What to do in order to make it recyclable? Um, yeah, we have to look that we uh, combining still different laminates. Otherwise, we cannot achieve the functionality. It means we need a sealable layer to make the packaging tight. We need a barrier layer to avoid migration. And of course, we need also a nice outer surface of the packaging so that uh, the packaging looks attractive. To combine all these by maintaining recyclability, that's the current challenge. Mm, and um, I was wondering what will have new guidelines to boost recyclability played um, to help tackle this um, challenge that we're facing? Yeah, so the, the story with the guidelines, if you look globally or only in Europe, might be confusing to many people. At the end, if I looked back to guidelines, um, for us as Constanza Flexible, it started already a little bit earlier than for most companies in Europe. We have, uh, as you maybe know, uh, also some subsidiaries in India. And India has planned in 2014 already to have an absolute ban of multi-layer non-recyclable packaging without defining it more clearly. Mm. Of course, that has stimulated a lot of R&D in that direction. And we started very early to go into the monomaterial packaging. In India and several other countries, in the meantime, it is uh, somehow unclear 
uh, where it will go in future. Definitely, they will look more to recyclability, but the absolute ban is uh, off the desk since 2019. Today, the pace in the recyclability discussion is clearly made by Europe. In Europe, we have several initiatives and guidelines you mentioned, like uh, the CFLEX initiative uh, from a value chain initiative. We have the RISC-class initiative, another value chain initiative, but including and organized by the recyclers. And we need guidelines and we need also European harmonized guidelines. Everything else would be a nightmare since at the end we are living in uh, one planet with uh, the same physical laws, right? Mm, absolutely, yes. It's good to have a joint up approach because obviously products travel from one country to another as well, don't they? Um, yeah, you mentioned um, and Reciclas. I was wondering um, if we could delve a bit deeper into what role um, organisations such as Reciclas could play in um, boosting sustainability and recyclability. Yeah, so uh, RISI-class has somehow uh, paved the way uh, for future European standards. And we have also decided for good reasons uh, to participate as a first converter in their initiative. Uh, since we strongly believe you cannot define recyclability against the recyclers. And many people have hoped too long that new recycling technologies might solve our issue and we can continue producing the old materials and just counting on new recycling technologies like chemical recycling or other separation technologies. As an expert in recycling, I can tell you all these new technologies have to play some role and they will play also their role, but not to make a proper design for recycling obsolete. It is then rather to increase the recyclate quality. At the end of the day, we need also to raise the quality of the recyclates to that level we that we can even use it in demanding applications like our packaging. And if I add here some points, I say they have paved the way to a future European guideline. And if I talk about future, it might be the near future. Many people have maybe not heard it, but I had the pleasure to participate also in these working groups of the Circular Plastic Alliance. And in Circular Plastic Alliance recently, that means in the beginning of this year, we have had intense discussions with stakeholders from both Recyclar, CFLEX, and the, the main resin companies uh, and uh, main players uh, of the whole value chain. And uh, what has been defined there in the paper of the Circular Plastic Alliance, which is intended to become uh, the basis for a new SAN standard, that uh, is really a very good work and could be the blueprint for recycling guidelines, not only in Europe, but to my perception also in other regions of the world. Could you give me a little bit of a, of a sneak preview of what these guidelines um, entails? Yeah, the guidelines clearly defining that um, we have to go monomaterial. What does that mean? Monomaterial means that we have one dominating raw material, which even in flexible packaging is accounting for 90% of the total laminate weight. That means we have either 90% polyethylene, which is the material mostly used for flexible packaging, or 90% polypropylene, which is a material our industry needs also to use to create stiffer and more temperature-resistant packaging like retortable packaging. What is not a good idea is to combine these polyolefins with technical thermoplastics as polyesters or 
polyamides, since these even disturb the chemical recycling, as any experts is clearly knowing. Mm. So that means monomethyl is the point, and also the combination of polypropylene and polyethylene is only, let's say, the second or third choice, since at the end, this only gives recyclates with a lower quality and you can do uh, downcycling and uh, we have enough thick walled injection molded parts or parking benches etc like that. Mm. And um, I was wondering are there any innovations um, in flexible packaging that you, you could talk about that maybe have um, boosted um, sustainability or recyclability? Yeah so most uh, bigger players in the value chain, might it be film manufacturers, might it be converters, meaning the, uh, the printers and laminating companies, the resin companies, the machinery manufacturer, they all have optimized their products to cope with these monomaterials. And today, the choice of, of semi-finished products and final products to create high barrier monomaterials, which can achieve barriers uh, close, if not equal to aluminum foil, is increasing uh, any day. So that means we are on a good track to replace all these multi-materials by monomaterials in the uh, coming years. Great. And um, widening the scope and also looking at um, paper packaging, um, what effects do different rules and regulation around recyclability in um, different countries have on both plastic and paper packaging? Yeah. The different guidelines in the different countries, that is really um, a big issue. We as an industry uh, are clearly supporting European harmonized uh, structures. And um, since at the end, the physics and the options for recycling are the same. Yeah? There is no different solution in a different country if you want to optimize the system long-term. A bad example in that sense is the single-use plastics directive. I do not want to discuss about the sense or nonsense to bonds, ban straws. Uh, uh, that, is a, that is a different discussion. But the pure fact that it is a directive has led to the fact that the different countries are interpreting it in a completely different way. Hmm. And for example, uh, uh, Italy is doing exceptions for biopolymers in that sense. Other uh, countries uh, like France, they are going beyond that guidelines. Other uh, uh, countries are, are doing other exceptions. And that is making the story very difficult for all companies designing products to be sold in the unified market. So we will mm. destroy the unified European market by allowing guidelines uh, being interpreted too differently by the European uh, countries. And therefore, we strongly support in the actual discussion if the packaging waste directive should remain a directive or become a regulation, we pledge for the uh, second one. It is better to have a regulation and design all packaging for whole Europe the same instead of creating solutions which are different in any country that would be completely destroy the market and give us all unnecessary burden in uh, logistics and uh, economies of scale. Mm, yeah, it's really important that you have unified processes and, um, and rules because otherwise, yeah, like you say, it just becomes chaos, doesn't it? Yeah, I wanted to um, discuss paper a little bit as well. And I was wondering, what would you say are the benefits and limitations of paper packaging when it comes to functionality and also recyclability? Yeah, first of all, let's talk about functionality of paper. 
paper as such, without any additional coating, has almost no barrier, neither against oxygen nor uh, water vapor or aroma. So that means for a tight packaging, which is intended to uh, uh, to conservate the, the packed goods for a longer period of time, paper is not the right material. In order to cope with that, paper has and is coated with different materials. And if you want to have a tightly sealed paper, of course, you coat it with what? Yeah, with plastics. You need to coat it with somewhat what can melt and, uh, and, uh, uh, and create also a barrier. And then you end up with, um, with polymers. The question is, what kind of polymers from the, its chem their chemical nature or the thickness are compatible with recycling? That is the main point here. And um, if you look to current paper recycling guidelines, I compared a little bit with the situation in plastics recycling five to uh, seven years ago. There was a big cacophony uh, and uh, many different opinions. And if you look today to paper recycling guidelines, we are by far not there where we are today with plastics that we have the CPA, the RISI class and CFX guidelines, which have only in some details uh, their differences. In paper, we have really stronger difference between the different countries and the different organizations defining guidelines. That's a mm. challenge. Mm. And um, is there any work being done in that direction or um, like to, to make it a bit more unified? Yes, of course, uh, there is work ongoing. Uh, the first European-wide um, discussion platform is the so-called Forever Green initiative, mm. where uh, design standards are discussed, but they are still in contradiction with many national and local uh, definitions that has to be sorted out. Since we as a packaging developing company cannot wait until these guidelines are ready, we have to anticipate future sensible guidelines early enough. And yeah, um, I have hired some time ago already paper recycling experts, as you have said in your introduction. I know maybe a little bit about plastics recycling, but to be honest, paper recycling was also new to me. And therefore I've hired the paper experts in our team to consult our product developers what to do and what better not to do when designing mm. paper. And today we have a nice portfolio of products we call eco paper, mm. uh, which can also serve the market of higher barrier packaging made of paper. Mm. And um, yes, you, um, you mentioned the barrier packaging, which is obviously very important. And I wanted to dig a bit deeper there and ask, yeah, how can um, the barrier properties of paper be improved but in turn, obviously not affecting recyclability um, negatively. Yeah. Yeah, so the challenge is, as said, to add in an intelligent way, chemically compatible coatings and in an amount which is, yeah, if you look to the different European countries, uh, in some countries like France, they are discussing that even 50% paper share is sufficient to be recyclable. In other countries, they are talking about 80 to 90 or even up to 95% mm. paper share, which ha is, has not to be mixed with the so-called fiber share, since what many people also do not know is even a non-coated paper is containing also in its pulp itself already a lot of plastics uh, materials. Mm. So that means the fiber share is even somewhat lower. So mm. all these definitions have to be sorted out. And what is really disturbing the repulping uh, companies? 
anyhow, the sinners are better. That's a general rule. And mm. we are working hard to work with the thinnest possible barrier lacquers to create barrier paper packaging. If you really want to go beyond a low or immediate barrier, then uh, with lacquers, it can become tough to achieve the barrier. Then you have to go to additional technologies like metallization and or also lamination with uh, very thin uh, polymer films to create a high barrier paper packaging. Hmm. What is not a good idea is to have any laminate of paper and plastics uh, so that you have a high plastic reshare and the plastic hmm. share is even than a mixed plastic uh, laminated mm. onto paper. That mm. is really a stupid way and we should avoid that. Mm, absolutely, yes. And um, it seems to be quite popular these days to try to replace plastics with um, paper packaging. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that? What's the scope for doing that? And is it, um, is it necessarily a good idea to do that? <laughs> That's a good question. I, uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends really on the exact application if uh, and what is the end of life scenario. Yeah? If you, for example, have a product being designed uh, for an application where later on you can collect it, then a paper with some uh, uh, yeah, barrier coatings made of biodegradable uh, resins might be a good choice. Yeah? If you go for household collections, there is a general rule for uh, in my understanding if your solution is too exotic, nobody in the modern automatic working recycling uh, um, uh, plants and sorting plants will sort out exotic materials. So mm. we sh really should standardize and, and um, that's the most important uh, point. Sometimes I'm comparing, comparing the designing of packaging with the brewing of German beer. For those <laughs> people who do not know how that is made, since 500 years, our dukes uh, in former times have said, in order to make a healthy beer, you just have to, to take three ingredients, yeah? water, corn, and malt. Yeah? And in principle, <laughs> yeah, if you go packaging, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's either monopolar fins or paper with the lowest possible amount of disturbing materials on it. Mm, I like that comparison, yes. <laughs> And concerning paper, another criterion to decide if paper has to be used or uh, plastic is a better choice, we should simply look on the carbon footprint. Yeah? Mm. If I compare, for example, um, the carbon footprint per kg, then paper might have a lower carbon footprint than plastics. Mm. Yeah? But if you look, for example, to a wrapper for, for a chocolate bar, which is one of the most famous new paper applications, uh, then, yeah, such paper uh, uh, wrappers are often double the thickness and the grammage of a plastic mm. bar. Mm. And then you, you can see that the carbon footprint uh, is uh, going towards the, uh, the benefit of the plastic. Mm. And last but not least, we have not yet counted what's about plastic packaging with recyclates. The more recyclates are included in a plastic packaging, the better the carbon footprint becomes. And that mm. is a potential we have to exploit in future, starting mm. with non-food packaging, of course, but on the long run, we have also to go food packaging with mm. recycled content. But that will be a journey. Mm. Yes, it'll be interesting to see how this, um, how this journey um, continues for sure. Um, so yeah, in summary or in conclusion, I wanted to ask, 
what is the key to create a circular economy for all packaging materials? Yeah, at the end, a global answer would be give value to the waste. Mm. The whole discussion started for good reasons with uh, uh, with the observation about the increasing uh, waste in our oceans. Yeah, and uh, yeah. At the end, if you don't give value to the waste, the waste pickers in those countries having not the automatic household collection and such sorting systems like we have in many European countries and in the remaining countries, we have to use them. Uh, um, if a product has waste, it will be picked. And that was for us also an interesting observation when discussing in the early days of our journey with our Indian colleagues. There are two kinds of plastic waste being collected by waste pickers there. These are polyester bottles. And if I look to flexibles, it's polyethylene flexibles. So polyethylene flexibles are collected since they give value to the waste pickers and to the recycling companies. Hmm. And that we have to achieve uh, and that we can only achieve by really working according to strict recycling guidelines. And we have discussed that these new guidelines uh, are even defining the inks and lacquers we have to apply on mm. plastics and papers uh, so that the recyclates have a high quality. Yeah? Mm. And if we respect that, we raise value and the waste will be collected. I'm quite sure. Mm. Great, thank you. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Um, thank you very much for, for being to be my guest today. I think it's great to um, great to get your insights today. Yeah, thanks for your invitation, and uh, yeah, uh, I hope the information uh, uh, might be helpful for the one other people in the value chain. Hmm. Absolutely, yes. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcasts on PackagingEurope.com or on your favorite podcasting app so you just don't miss out on any of the latest episodes as well as video interviews and discussion panels as part of a Sustainable Packaging Summit. Thank you. Mm -hmm.